Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be back up here in Northland. We came over yesterday from the other side, West Coasters. Uh, anyone not met us before? Seen us before? You've got to get out more. <laughs> um, I was born in Tekopru, across the other side, and... Um, when I was, I think it was about 12 or 13, our family moved down to Auckland and uh, that's when we really caught God from, well, God transferred from here to here and uh, changed our lives and we're part of a church that uh, was very, very much involved in missions. So uh, about 20 of us were trained after a while to go out to, to Asia, to the Philippines and uh, when the time came, 12 went and 8 were on standby, some were only one year commitments, others were longer and as people came back, others replaced them. And, um, and we left after four years, and guess who replaced me? Takbana. <laughs> and uh, he came and uh, took over the uh, leadership seminars, which, we were, was, which was my big focus uh, when we were there. And uh, we've known Tuck and Adrian, of course, for many, many years. And then uh, when we came back to New Zealand, we got to know this lovely couple. Um, and, uh, but we moved to Wellington, and which I thought God had a sense of humour and he was a bit of a joker because, um, you know, go from Auckland to Wellington, I mean, it's just kind of like you don't do it unless you really, really, really have to. <laughs> and we did. And uh, it was the best thing we ever did. Four fantastic years in Wellington and even next month we're going down for a couple of weeks and it's almost like you're going home into a hand-in-a-glove situation where you really encountered God, God did things in your life, you, uh, you just love sort of going back into those places. And... Um, and so uh, we were four years there pastoring in the, uh, what was called Life Point, it is today called Life Point with John Watson. Some of you may know that name, John and Linda Watson. And from there we joined World Outreach, which had its uh, New Zealand office. It's a New Zealand organization. It's founded 85 years ago and out of Petoni. And um, today we've got over 600 people full time every day working, doing something around the world. It's phenomenal, it's growing. We're having 40 new applications or so, 40, 45 a year. I mean, God's still calling people. God's calling people, and He's going to do it till Jesus comes back. Uh, our roles may change, our focus, our approach, our strategies may change, but God's still calling people to contribute to His plan to redeem the world, to, to make His plans known. And so uh, we've been thrilled to be part of World Outreach since 85, and we moved to Hong Kong, and three years later we moved to Singapore, and we were there 29 years up until the end of December last year. And a couple of years ago, Mary and I really felt God was speaking to us about our future, and uh, that we needed to step down in order to see the next thing that He wanted for us, but still feel part of World Outreach. And so I became the honorary president, or president emeritus, as the official title goes, um, like an ambassadorial role, trying to help share wherever we have opportunity, the opportu uh, where, what God's doing around the world and how you can make a difference. And you don't have to burn your bridges and sell your house these days to go overseas unless the Lord tells you to, and He does on occasions, but there's phenomenal opportunities. And I just want to, I'll touch on it a little bit later, but um, if any of you are thinking, you know, is there something I could possibly be doing even in, you know, a gap year or or before you get into signing on to something career-wise, or um, just to do, roll up your sleeves and come alongside an existing work and just serve. I guarantee, money-back guarantee, it'll change your life. Change your life. 
And when you come back home and you commit yourself to whatever God's leading you to, you will have a kingdom focus, not just a community or a city or a national focus. You'll have an understanding of how you can contribute into the big picture of what God's doing around the world. It takes all kinds to do, uh, to help God's plans and purposes to come about. And so um, my, one of the roles that Mary and I so enjoy is, uh, is helping people to marry, if you like, their gifts, their talents, their callings, their abilities into God's kingdom plan. And uh, we get a lot of people today, the baby boomer generation, you know, they're not all out playing golf anymore. Um, you know, they are actually lending some of their time, giving us a month, two months, three months. Uh, next week we'll be, uh, a couple of weeks we'll be with a, a builder guy who's, who gives three to four months of his time every year to help grow a major uh, ministry in Borneo in, in um, Indonesia doing a phenomenal job, and he just takes a few guys with him every time. And what they've built over there to do with, you know, a church, not only a church, but a um, hostel for children from the isolated villages where kids would never really get an education. Um, they'll be, the girls will be having babies by the time they're 14 or 15 years of age because there's no, nothing else to do. The boys get drunk on rice wine because, you know, they're just going to work on the farms and get bored out of their trees. And today, with a bit of education, they're starting to dream dreams and imagining things could be different. And going off to tertiary and, edu- and universities today to learn to serve God and with, you know, passions that God's put in their heart to do through different careers. And so it's wonderful. And now we're building a medical center and training schools and facilities. It's just great. And it's just one guy just saying, I want to give four months, three to four months of my time to help, and he's always looking for others to come alongside to help. That's just one of many situations where we often think, well, what could I do? And um, anything, music, sports, drama, anything to do with education, anything to do with trades, any kind of trade today, there's opportunities galore out on the fields today where you can just bring people from down here, up to here, just by showing them skills or ways to do things different and even better. And so we wouldn't trade what we've been doing. Wouldn't, you know, we're talking with, we've got some family on the other side over there having a long weekend and we'll go back to see them later this afternoon. But, you know, I just sort of say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything different than what I've done with my life. I was sharing with an uncle yesterday who's, uh, he's terminally ill and, um, you know, he doesn't know God and and I'm sort of, you know, been sharing with him and, and just telling him, I said, do you, re- do you have any idea what I've been doing, Mary and I have been doing for the last 36 years of our lives living in Asia? And he said, no, not really. Didn't have any interest. They never asked any questions. And so I, we talked about it. And then I sort of said, you know, I, I wouldn't have traded it for anything because he and my father and their father were in business together. And, you know, it was kind of like his, all his kids are very high achievers and, and done good things, but at the same time, there's this emptiness, this, this vacuum, this like still not satisfied with what they have achieved, and one by one, they're coming to the Lord, but we're hoping He will too before He, he goes on to meet His Maker. But it's interesting how people are afraid sometimes to ask questions or they don't know how, 
And so, anyway, we shared the gospel with them. So we're thrilled with what we're able to do. We've relocated back to New Zealand at the beginning of the year. We're now Kiwis again, and, well, we're learning to be Kiwis again. And um, while we've come back on a regular basis in my role as international director, uh, you know, living and visiting New Zealand is not such an adjustment for us, but um, we still go back to Asia two or three times a year for about a month at a time, building on the relationships we have there. We're trying to get more Asian churches involved, and it's happening. The, ma- the majority of missionaries today are not coming from Western countries. They're coming from the majority world, the whole India subcontinent, Indochina, the African continent, and the Middle East. It's exciting to see Middle Eastern Christians getting out of their countries and go to near neighboring countries to take the gospel or or demonstrate and show the love of God. These are great days, wonderful days. So I trust this morning now, the message God's put on my heart to share with you, which is around missions, but at the same time, it's uh, very relevant to wherever we are and whatever stage we're at with the Lord. So I'd like to pray. Father, I just thank you for a wonderful church that has got such a heritage in missions. People may come and people may go, Lord, but you have done something in this church that's invested into the nations of the world and continues to do so. And, And I just know, Lord, even if we do ever go somewhere else in New Zealand or elsewhere, Lord, we're part of that inheritance of sowing and giving ourselves to the the bigger picture of what you're doing. And so we open our hearts today, and I just pray, Lord, that what's on my heart will be fresh to those who hear it. And uh, there will be a good response in the sense of, Lord, you seeing hearts opening more and more to you so that you can have your way through each life that's represented and every family that's represented here today. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to just share some uh, verses to you from, uh, and I'll just quote them, uh, Isaiah 40 verse 5, it says, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. These are prophetic promises from God that the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind will see it. Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In our minds to think that these, we can't imagine what this looks like, what we've just read and what we've just quoted, you know, that God somehow is going to be so revealed that everyone's going to see him. But when God speaks, it will happen. When God says it, it's going to take place. And sometimes we lose sight, of course, of the, of the different events taking place around the world and even in New Zealand and changes and all that sort of thing. And we start to wonder, is anyone in control? But the word of the Lord says that nothing will fail that he has, not, that he has spoken. And then Isaiah 49, in the second part of verse 6, it says, And I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And so God is is not only saying, this is what I'm going to do, but this is the plan that I have for you too, that I want you to participate in my global plan, if you like, New Zealand and beyond, to help bring light to people who don't even know 
God, let alone the Son of God. Sharing with my uncle yesterday, I said, you know, we've been involved in helping both personally as well as, you know, behind the scenes of facilitating the taking of the gospel to large numbers of people. When I say large, they're in the millions. People today have received the gospel through various means, and you've had a little part to play in helping to make that happen. And today you see change taking place that you could say, well, wow, I never would have imagined that 10 years ago. I'm thinking Siberia. I've been to Siberia on many occasions and and help. It was, a, it was a local Singapore initiative, but they asked me to come with them. And we started with a, a youth camp, really. I'm going to say youth. They were in their late teens, early 20s, and we went out somewhere in some isolated place. They hired. It was freezing cold. And uh, facilities, you know, you, it was just, you had to have a roaring fire. That's all you had. And you stayed as close to it until you had to get up to speak. And then you'd go and thaw out again when you know, the message was over. But when we started to pray, and, and these young faces that are just new to Christianity, um, and you know, there would have been maybe 70 or 80 of them there at the time, and we started to pray for them, and the Spirit of God just visited them, and, and they fell down and spent, you know, some of them an hour on, their, on the floor, just, I don't know what God was doing, but He was doing something, and I'm watching as curious as anybody, because, you know, I haven't seen that for a while. And so, you sort of think, wow, okay, God's in Siberia too. This is cool. And here we are today when they go, the Singapore group go, and um, every year they've been going back. When they have their gatherings now, they're having like 13, 1,500 people coming to these annual, give me a new fix kind of thing. You know, I need a new infusion. I, I need something. It's hard work in Siberia. But then I'm reminded of Hudson Taylor's prophecy that's been regurgitated again and again that out of Siberia, there will come a mighty move of the Holy Spirit that will sweep through Russia and go into Europe and bring a revival in some of these churches that Pastor Don's talking about, possibly going to get revived again. But the point is, these things have been spoken in the past and, and people are talking about them again today because there's a sense God's doing something new. And you had a little part to play in an initial camp that was as much as an experience for you as it was for those who heard you. And so it's great to sort of be able to feel that you're having a little bit to play in, in what God is initiating, but I would not have imagined what is happening in Siberia today, 15 years ago, when we started. I like what C.S. Lewis wrote. He said, if you read history you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought about the next world. The Christians that did the most in their generation were those who were always thinking about the next world. He goes on to say, it is Christians who have stopped thinking about the next world that have become ineffective in their world today. When you and I are not talking about God and heaven and one day and the promises I've read that the whole earth is going to be filled with the glory of the Lord and, and God's plans are going to be that people are going to become aware of Him and these things. When we're not telling people, then friends, something else has got a priority in our life. Something else is, is the talk of, of our lips, so to speak. 
and it's not God. But C.S. Lewis is saying, but if we're, if we're continually thinking that this world is not our home, there's another world, but we're here for a season, and we're talking about that, what is going to be, but at the, main, at the same time, taking advantage of our opportunities here, we will be effective. God's people have been set apart because we have been blessed to be a blessing. We truly are. We've been blessed to be a blessing. We are to be a people of vision. And I meet a lot of Christians who really don't know, you know, they just live a week at a time. I know even church, churches in different parts of the world. Some pastors are just happy to get through Sunday and hope Monday's going to be a good day off. You know, it's just like, well, it's, there's no vision. There's no, this is why we exist. In world outreach, we exist. If we were to dissolve today, we hope the kingdom of God might sort of weep a little bit because we exist to impact least reach people groups with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what our, our vision is. And every year we look back and say, did we, did we achieve more than we did the year before? And if we didn't, why didn't we? And if we did, what could we do more? And so we're always using that as a yardstick to say, are we impacting these large communities of people that have never heard the gospel before? Are we meeting more, reaching more of them? You see, revival's got to start with us. There's no big name speaker today that could, we could invite to Whangarei and, and hire the, you know, the local stadium and fill it up and say, this man's going to bring revival to Whangarei, to Northland. Revival starts with us. When I went to a Billy Grand crusade and gave my life to Jesus Christ and went to the front and, and, uh, in Auckland and, um, you know, just sort of surrendered my life to him, I'd already made a choice. People had reached me. People had witnessed to me. But that was my first public confession. I went out proudly saying, I don't know what God can do with me, but here, have a go. And then I began to realize God had been going for me, looking for me, chasing me long before I ever bowed my knee to him. He knew me in Tekopru. He knew me before I was born, Ephesians tells us. And yet, we get to that stage of saying, you know, we bow our knee and we say, why didn't I do that some years ago? Wasted 19 years of my life. Revival starts with us. It's a choice we have to make. We're a people of purpose. We're meant to be people of revival. And I choose to be revived. I choose to walk in revival. I choose to keep telling people about not just opportunities before them to accept Christ, but about the future of another world, another, a place that we're going to go to one day and be with Christ forever, and, and be in the presence of God, and apparently, you know, we're never going to get bored in the presence of God. There's just, you know, our peeny little minds, we're, we're just, we don't understand and comprehend how much God is wanting to show us of Himself. And so when we're truly one with God's heart for the lost, then the body of Christ, I believe, will become united, and revival will follow. I believe when we buy into, when we participate, when we get involved in what God is doing today, New Zealand and beyond, I believe that we have a part to play in God's redemption plan. And it's very fulfilling and very rewarding. And you might be like myself and my wife and others who would say, you know, I wouldn't do anything different with my life than what I've been doing. 
because it's been so rewarding and so fulfilling. Proverbs 30 verse 19 tells us that, uh, that the writer is saying, there are four things I do not understand. And one of them is, he's saying, one of the things I don't understand is the way of a ship on the high sea, on the high seas. We lived in Singapore for 29 years, and they tell us, and I think it's still valid today, that Singapore is the largest port in the world. There are more ships moored, coming, going from Singapore at any one time, 24-7, than any other port in the world. And we've visited friends in high-rise you know, high apartments, and you know, you look out and you see a, a boat there, and, and sometimes we've stayed the night, and, and um, you see these ships all lit up, and these little boats going out, because they don't bring them to the pier, they, they leave them out in the water, and these boats go out and load and unload them. And then... Uh, get up in the morning, that ship's gone. It's just been unloaded, loaded, turned around, off it goes. And then you see another one coming in, you know, they're just all over the place. Ships were not designed or created to sit in ports, but to be moving, to be active, out on the high seas, bringing good news or good bringing goods, if you like, to those who needed them. There's this poster um, we saw some time ago. I've just forgotten the words of it now. Remember? Anyway, a picture of this big ship and, you know, breaking through the water and say uh, something about, oh, yeah, it'll come back to me, I'll tell you later. But ships were, were made to be moving, action on the high seas, bringing things that others will benefit from. And so are believers. We were redeemed to be active. We were redeemed to be moving. We were redeemed to be saying, Lord, is there something more I could be doing? Is there somewhere I could go to help others benefit from what you have blessed me with or what you have shown me. People of revival, you see, bring revival with them. People who have this sense of this world is not my home, but I'm here for a season. If you hang out with those people who talk like that, who think like that, something stirs within your heart to see opportunities you haven't seen before. Your eyes get opened. You start to believe that there's more than just the normal routine that the majority of New Zealanders go through. But we are people of purpose and people of revival. And we can influence our environment. We can influence our city. We can certainly influence our nation and go elsewhere. A friend of ours was flying on a plane recently, and uh, he was going to speak at a camp, and uh, the day before he went to the camp, he was told that the other speaker had cancelled, and could he come up with two more messages, please? You know, 24 hours notice, and he's kind of like, you know, no time as you do, you're rushing to get away and, and not thinking straight, so he said, great, when I get on the plane, 
I'm going to be able to have, you know, two or three hours to think and focus and I'll prepare my other two messages on the plane. So he gets on the plane, sits down next to this elderly lady. It's a two-seat, three, a four-seat, two-seat kind of plane configuration. And uh, as he sits down and he's just settling in and pulling out his books and putting them in the back of the seat pocket and getting himself sorted, he looks over and this lady's starting to cry and getting emotional. And he's thinking, you know, guys don't know what to do when they see an emotional woman, you know. And so he's starting to sort of think, well, you know, what have I done? Uh, is something, so he says the obvious thing, are you all right? And she says, of course I'm not right. And he said, is there anything I can do? And she said, it's your problem. And he says, but I haven't done anything. I mean, I don't know you. I haven't spoken to you. And she said, the moment you sat down, she says, I had this clear reflection of when I was a seven-year-old girl and I went to Sunday school and I felt a presence in that place and I've never felt it since until you sat down. And I'm 83 years of age and I haven't sensed that presence until you sat down and I, I don't know what to do with myself. Well, he didn't get any sermons prepared. He witnessed to her, led her to the Lord. Isn't it great when the Holy Spirit does the work for you? You know, you just have to kind of put the icing on the cake. But we carry an anointing. We are people of revival. And so often we don't know when we walk into a bank and we walk into a shop, we walk into an office, we just kind of think we're walking into a bank, office, shop, whatever. We, we're carrying something. There's the presence of God is with us and people are influenced and affected by us. Psalm 90, I love this Psalm, Psalm 92, maybe because I'm getting closer to what it's talk, who's it talking to. Psalm 92 and verse 12, it says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord and they will flourish in the courts of God and they will still bear fruit in old age. Well, I'm not there yet, but I mean, we are destined to bear fruit in old age. There you go. A ship is safe in a harbor. Thank you. But that's not what ships were built for. Christians are safe in churches, but that's not what you've been redeemed for. Church is safe. This is a safe environment. This is a great place to train to be missionaries. This is the safest environment you could train in to prepare yourself for what God's doing, wanting to do through you. Because people give you a go here. And when you fall on your face, they pick you up, dust you off and say, have another go. We're in a safe environment. But we are to get out on the high seas and we're to make a difference. And so, but here we are talking about not just young people going out. We're talking about even older people that we are to bear fruit in old age and stay fresh and green. That's what I want to do, stay fresh and green, and I believe I will. Very quickly, I just want to touch on three things relating to Jeremiah uh, chapter 1 and verses 11 to 12, 11 and 12. And I'll just quote it to us here. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. This is a young Jeremiah, just a youthful young boy, so to speak, and, and God meets with him and he hears the voice of the Lord and he knows it's God. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah. And he says, I see a branch of an almond tree, I replied. 
And the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. You see, Jeremiah saw the almond tree, which is the promise, speaks of the promise of God. But he also saw a problem that was a boiling pot. And he describes what he sees. And you and I need to describe what we see God doing. Doing in our family, doing in our lives, doing in our business, doing in our careers, doing in our homes, wherever we are. And doing community, doing nationwide. We need to be seeing what God is doing. The Holy Spirit's at work. I believe today more people are coming into the kingdom of God than has been recorded in history for a long time. We're seeing revival. These are good days for the kingdom of God, but maybe not. we're not seeing the same fruit in New Zealand, but God has spoken. This nation's going to be visited again. But in the meantime, we're to get on and do it. We can't just sit back and say, I'll wait for him to arrive. Because we are people of revival. We are meant to be ships on the high sea. We're meant to be moving forward, pulling up anchor and doing what God's ever showing us where to go. And so Jeremiah sees both the promise and the calamity that was coming. And he describes what he sees to God. And so I want to just touch on three things to do with sight that I think could be relevant to how we need to be thinking about, do I see what God is doing today? Firstly, what you see affects what you commit yourself to. What you see affects what you commit yourself to. If you don't see God in this church, you won't commit yourself to it. You'll come, you'll attend, but it's it's just going to be a loose relationship. If we don't see God wanting to move in our country again, we're not going to pray. Our prayers will be, God bless New Zealand, or Every time the All Blacks play, we'll sing the national anthem. And that's our confession, you know, God defend New Zealand, which we needed it last night. But you see, if we don't see what the Holy Spirit's doing today, then our commitment to God's purpose is going to be half-hearted. We've got to see. We're going to say, Lord, open my eyes. Maybe I'm missing something. Do you see God in your workplace? Do you see God in your school? Do you see God in your university, in your neighborhood, in your home, and in your street? Do we see that God sovereignly has allowed us for this season to be in these environments? If we don't see God in our environment when you go to work on Tuesday morning, we're missing something. It doesn't mean you're going to be there for the rest of your life, but it's this season right now, and we've got to see God in it. And some of us might say, I see great opportunities. I don't know how to respond to them, but hey, I just see opportunities. And as you talk like that, you might have some, find somebody who would say, hey, I'd like to partner with you and see how to reach those opportunities. Secondly, what we see or what you see can be determined by what you hear. What you see can be determined by what you hear. Believers and non-believers alike can be influenced by external sources. Now, there was a big announcement on Thursday that different ones of us are reacted to in different ways. We can, and it would be easy, we can, if you were pro 
blue, you would have, you know, we can easily get negative. You're pro-red, be going, you know, great. But the point is, is God overall, has God allowed this, and do I see God in this? Do I see God in my nation? And how do I work with God to bring about what God has allowed for my nation? And so I want to be a partner with God rather than throwing stones from the outside. Wasn't the outcome I was expecting or even hoping for necessarily. But I'm believing I'm not going to listen to the opinions of liberal, left, white, whatever. The Herald used to be a wonderful paper. I just come back to New Zealand. I think, man, have they had been taken over? It's like there's just so much. Anyway. We're, in, we're influenced by external sources. The media is one of them. We allow people to formulate our opinions. This should be the book that we try to say, Lord, what's your take on what's going on here? Lord, I, I really need help because I'm not, I'm not thinking straight. I want to throw stones or, you know, or I just want to dance on people because, hey, it's the result I'm looking for. But what's your take? The business world has an agenda. The government has an agenda. Charismatic personalities have an agenda. All have an agenda. But Ma the Bible also has an agenda. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony, and then the end will come. So God's got an agenda, and that's the agenda I want to buy into. And I'm believing there, if there comes uncertainty, or if there comes some sort of, and I, by the way, I really do believe, doesn't matter whether national got in or labor got in, I do believe that the world is in for a great, great turmoil in the coming months and in the next 12 months. I've lived in Asia, you know, you, you get the feeling of the, what the people are sensing. They're doing business with all these different countries. It's not just North Korea, but there are a number of regions in the world today that I believe could explode very quickly. And so that will affect us. It will have an effect on our government, whoever was in power. It's out of their control. So we need to be saying, Lord, what do you want to do through all this? And uh, I love what it says in Isaiah uh, chapter 11 and verse... Verse 3, the second part of verse 3, it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears. So I have to ask the question, who has our ear? Who's influencing our opinions? Whose voice is the loudest that's helping us, making us think the way we think? Let's get into this book, friends. Let's read this book. Things are going to get worse before Christ comes back. And he will orchestrate things to facilitate that. Let us work with the Holy Spirit rather than complain. And finally, what you see determines what you invest in. I've never, never played the stock market, so I don't know how it works, really. But... Um, I understand, you know, if you get in early and, and go in with a long-term perspective, then you can, you can do okay. My uncle was telling me that yesterday. Apparently, he bought into Auckland Airport many, many years ago. So, apparently, he's doing good. 
But Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, whoever watches the wind will not plant, and whoever watches the clouds will not reap. If you and I are watching the wrong things, we won't work with God. Jeremiah was told to go and buy a field when God was saying, Israel is going to be overrun and taken into captivity, and everything you have is going to be taken away from you. And God says, go and buy a plot of land. God, you just told me about a boiling pot and, you know, trouble coming, et cetera, et cetera. Why, why buy now? Because he also saw, he also heard the promises of God, what God's going to do. And so, we've got to sort of hear the voice of God. We've got to hang out with people who hear the voice of God to know that, you know, how we should move and how we should respond to difficult times. Jeremiah, because he saw God's promises, the almond tree, he knew that God's word would come true, that one day Israel would get back what, it was, what was taken from it. And so God will do unusual things, say unusual things to some of us to do in line with the future. And he can be trusted if we hear his voice and we obey him. Years ago, Russia was, we were told, and those of us who have visited there, and, and um, you have this sense that there was this window of opportunity for however long we didn't know, and that that window would close. And so a lot of ministries have gone in, Joyce Myers and some other big names, international names, as well as many organizations as ourselves and other ministries have gone into Russia. But there was always this sense that that window would close, and just on around two years ago, the government made, brought legislation that, that uh, no outside ministries could come into Russia and, um, and propagate their beliefs. Now, of course, Christians, you know, sneak into places and they continue to do so. But they have to be very, very careful as they have to be in some other countries as well. But the point is, there will come sometimes in countries that we are working in an open door right now, but it doesn't mean it's going to stay open. And we've got to hear the voice of God, and we've got to respond when there's opportunities and respond quickly. Matthew eleven twelve says, The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. We're in a spiritual conflict. I tried to tell my uncle that yesterday as he was telling me, I don't know why there's so much hate in the world and why people are killing people, people of their own kind and that, you know, hard to, hard to imagine, hard to figure out. But we are in a spiritual conflict that will last until Jesus comes back. And the kingdom of God, though, is a force going forward that cannot be stopped. Remember that. The kingdom of God is a force going forward and it cannot be stopped. And you and I, hopefully, have bought into the kingdom of God. And we're having our eyes open to see what God is doing, where we are, locally, nationally, and internationally. And we're saying, Lord, I want to see what you're doing. I don't want to re be a reactionary Christian. I don't want to, you know, rubbish this and rubbish that. I want to work with you and seeing this nation turn back to you. And wherever else you'd have me to be involved, Open my eyes, Lord, and show me the opportunities. Would you stand with me, please? You know,
I don't know if there's anyone here this morning that uh, doesn't know Jesus Christ. You know, you, you know about God up here, but you haven't experienced this amazing transformation that takes place when we ask Him to become our Lord and Savior. And I'd certainly love to pray with you uh, at the end of the meeting and uh, just introduce you to Him uh, as I was introduced and I've had the opportunity to do many, many times. It's just, it's, it's, to me, it's the, the number one miracle. But before we close, and I hand back to Pastor Don, I just want to, I don't want you to respond because, you know, oh, that, you know, I feel a little uncomfortable. I want you to respond this morning because you want to make a choice to say, Lord, I want to see, I, I give you the freedom to show me, to stir me, to, to give me a kick in the pants if I need it, but to become more proactive, to be talking about you, to be talking about your kingdom, to be participating in your kingdom. I want to be proactive. I want to be that ship on the high seas, Lord. I, want to be, I don't want to be have an anchor and just moored and everyone comes. What a beautiful looking ship. The ships look better when they're moving, not when they're tied up at the pier. Lord, I don't want to be tied up at the pier. I want to be moving for you, whether it's in New Zealand or anywhere else. That's your prerogative, but here I am. Would you lift your hand as I pray? And I'm just going to ask God to help us because this is the book that's going to give you the revelation of how he can use you. And... Um, so, Father, we stand before you today with our hands lifted up. We feel inadequate. We feel some of us, we've let you down. We've dropped the ball. We've, we've just focused on our kingdom, building our kingdom. But we want to build the kingdom of God. And, Lord, I believe there are people in this church that are going to build in that kingdom beyond the shores of this nation. But right now, we're bringing you an offering. We're bringing you an offering with hands lifted up and saying, Lord, here I am. Open my eyes. If I'm missing something, if I'm not hearing you, Lord, speak to me. Help me to see what you see. And may my response be pleasing to you, Lord. I want to bring you pleasure, Lord. I want to bring you pleasure. I want to be able to, to describe what you've put in my heart. I want to be able to talk vision. I want to talk strategy. I want to talk purpose. I want to talk revival. Oh God, I pray. Help us, each one of us, to be the people you redeemed us to be, to be that ship on the high seas, cutting through ocean and going to places where others can benefit because of our willingness. Here I am, Lord. Use me. So, Lord, I bless each one here today. And I bless this church. And I just pray you'll multiply it in many ways to further your kingdom. Northland and beyond. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.